These are not just characters in a story. Luke is making an argument because there are Christians in his community, this ongoing debate 70 years after Jesus died in this new church, who say, if you convert, but then you stray, you sin, you miss the mark, that's what sin means, miss the mark, you worship idols and so on, you don't get to come back. You don't. But Luke says, no, God welcomes you back. What was lost is found. Now, I want to say here that this story, this text, is open to a dangerous misreading, a deadly misreading. The younger son went off to find his adventure. He failed. He came home, not demanding, but hoping for love and a place to stay. Let me tell you what the younger son did not do, did not do. He did not beat up his wife or his girlfriend and then ask for forgiveness and to be let back in. He lost his own fortune, what was freely given to him. He did not steal from his father over and over again. He did not emotionally or sexually abuse the employees at the farm, gaslight his family about his actions, or refuse to be held accountable. He did not do any of those things. We're going to talk about forgiveness in March, but I want to make clear right here, right now, that this is a story of reunion and reconnection after a mistake that harmed only the son. It is not a story of an abuser getting to abuse again. You have to take me back. It is not that story. I want to make this clear because I was at a meeting again this last week for the Family Peace Center, the religious leaders team that I'm on, and we talked at length about the importance of a clear theology on this issue and how bad theology around violence and family, bad theology and cheap grace and fake repentance perpetuates cycles of abuse. This is not that. Let me say that clearly. There are folks you do not have to welcome back. God, the holy, might hold out hope for their repentance and transformation, but it is not, it is not your job to open the door and feast their return. Let me be very clear about that. Is that is not what we mean here. What we mean instead is the person who wandered and returned. Well, it need not be geographical. Maybe it's a friend who lost touch and finally reached out. Maybe it's a family member who missed a holiday, but you keep inviting them and rejoice when they finally come back. Maybe it's a neighbor you had a fight with and you don't even remember what the fight was about, but then you start saying hello over the fence again and reconnecting. Maybe, maybe you're not the dad welcoming someone back. And you're not the older son, righteous but bitter. Maybe you're the younger son who wants to return but is scared to go home. Maybe that's you. What Luke's stories of lost and found tell us is that we should be generous with our love and with our openness. We should be generous with our hope because his message isn't just or even really primarily for the father and the older son, it isn't. His message is for the younger son. 
That's who he's writing for. The one who is lost and wonders if they can come back. He's not writing for the 99 sheep who never got lost. He's not writing for the nine coins that stayed where they belonged. He's writing for the younger son and saying, come home. Come home. You are not cast aside. Sure, the father is generous. He throws a party. But the real generosity is actually the younger son to believe that his father's love will be large enough for him to come home. The main contrast Luke is drawing isn't between the father and the older son. It's between the two sons. The older who thinks that only those who are always good get welcomed and the younger who has enough faith to hope that he will at least get a bed and a chance to work. The generosity of the father in this story is offered to everybody. It is the contrast between the scarcity mindset of the, younger, of the older son, the scarcity of love, there isn't enough to go around, how could you give any away, versus the generosity of love, the belief in each other and the hope for an open heart. The message is this, have an open heart, come home. Instead of believing the worst of people, have hope. It is, of course, foolish. Radical love, faith, hope, generosity is deeply foolish. Be foolish. Give it away. Open your heart to what might be. Have a generous interpretation of each other. Adrian Simcox, in fact, does have a horse. The most beautiful horse you have ever imagined. And it is a generous interpretation, both for the narrator, Chloe, who finally puts down her cynicism to see with her heart instead of her eyes, and for Adrian Simcox, who believes he can keep telling his truth despite her doubt. It's the generous interpretation of both of them that allows a friendship to bloom and hearts to open. Choose to believe the best in someone else. Don't give up. Don't give up on them. And don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on yourself. That's what's really important here. We all want to think we're the shepherd looking for the lost sheep. No, we are the lost sheep. We think we're the woman looking for the coin. We're the coin. We think we're the dad, or maybe, if, you know, oh, we're the brother, righteous and bitter. No, we're the returning son. Having a generous interpretation of others begins with having a generous interpretation of yourself, of remembering that you are worthy of being found, that you matter enough to look for. You count. You're missed when you're not at the table. I know, I know, I know. Sometimes society says, you don't matter that much. One more brick in the wall. I know, I know, I know. There have been people in your life and ours who have told you that you don't count, that you're not enough for them or you're too much for them. I know that's all true. But that is not the whole story. There's more to the story. 
to the holy, to the sacred you count. We're all connected to each other, woven threads of living stardust, and you matter. You can be an instrument of love. You can be the friend who gathers round. You can be the wanderer and the worshiper, part of the caravan of love. There's more to the story. Don't say, don't say there is no water. The fountain has plenty of water. You must get your fill. Drink until you are refreshed. There is enough. It begins with hope. Not expectation or entitlement, but hope that hearts will be open. And not every time. Not every time. Let's not be naive, but more than you might expect, hearts will be open. And it begins with the hope that the heart of love is large enough for you. The fountain of love flows for you, too. Not just for you, for everyone, but for you, too. It does. Friends, it does. I don't know how to convince you that it does. If you don't believe me, you just have to believe me. If you don't believe me, that's okay. Just pretend. Fake it till you make it. That's okay. Be generous with your hope. Believe in the generosity of the universe and the goodness of your own heart and the hearts of others. Act like it's true. And who knows what might happen. I believe that if you are feeling lost and you stay generous with yourself and others, that you will be. By the grace of mercy and welcome, the generosity of the flowing water, the open heart of love, even though you feel lost, you will be, in ways that may surprise you, found. This is my prayer for you, for me, and for all people everywhere, that the generosity of the Spirit will be felt in every heart and in every land. May it be so. Amen. We're going to talk about lost and found. There's really only one song to bring us home. So won't you rise in body and or in spirit.